Welcome to Anecdotal Anatomy, a weekly podcast that dives into the questions about what it is to live in these bodies. If you're listening now, chances are you have a body. That makes you a star in our show. And we are so happy you found us and we'd love for your stories to be part of the bigger conversation. Email us at anecdotalanatomy at gmail.com. This season, we are exploring embodiment. So far, we've loosely defined embodiment and looked at it through personal stories, poetry, archetypes and patterns, science and mime, as well as the heroic journey. Today's episode is After the Because, about the stories we tell and retell ourselves. It touches on the impact of the words we use to tell these stories, and how while the stories do change, they can also remain on a loop and end up in the body, whispering or screaming for attention. In telling our stories to each other and to you, we begin to see how the common threads of our lives unwind from similar spools. We notice when we're recycling old stories and can then choose to rewrite those stories to better suit the present moment. We will never know the answer to after the because until we ask the right people the right questions and hear it from the source. We can see how these unverified stories can become embodied and part of our assumed identity. Don't believe everything you think. I'm Teresa Tobin Macy. I'm Sherry Sadoff Hank. Let's chat. When you brought up months ago this this sentence when you said everything after the because is a story that we make up. It's a story that we're telling ourselves. Yes, that changed my life because I am one of those road rage people who doesn't understand why some, and you know, listen, I can understand it because sometimes I've been the asshole. I've been that person, you know, trying to manage all the things in the car and I'm about an inch from your bumper. But at this age, I have changed. <laughs> and I get out on the road and I, you know, I also learned to drive before there were cell phones, before the distractions were so intense. There were always distractions, you know, eating while driving, you know, kids in the car, whatever. Um, but you said that and I began to shift the way I expressed my road rage. And remember, I'm going to set up a program one day called Dharma at the Wheel Yoga for Road Rage. That's coming, coming soon to a, I don't know, something near you. A mat near you. <laughs> a mat near you, a microphone near you, whatever. But now when there's someone behind me, I can still say, oh, I feel you're an asshole. You're probably a nice person. You're probably having a bad day. I don't know what your story is. Whatever your because is, is up to you. I can still feel pissed off, but I'm less inclined to tell the story of why that guy's on my tail or less inclined to tell the story about why the clerk at the store was, was you know, being a bitch or whatever, because she wasn't. She was just maybe having a bad day or maybe she had 12 Karens come in before I went in and just was done. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we can't know what comes after someone else's because and often we don't know what comes after our own because because of the stories we keep telling ourselves that are based in, you know, a reality that no longer exists or a time that no longer exists or maybe it never existed. I don't. Yeah, I don't even know who I was reading or where I came up with the after the because, but it just got 
written into my fabric of form that unless you ask somebody, why did you say that or why did you do that? Everything else is a myth, the story that we are telling ourselves, like you said. And I often wonder how many times I'm telling a really amazing story about after the because. And sometimes I'm not being all that kind and my after the because is really a, a terrible myth but it causes a lot of suffering when it is, when I start saying, well, she did that because she thinks I'm blah, blah, blah. And then I start weaving a story and write it over and over again. Many people, maybe you've had the same experience where <laughs> after you've had a discussion with somebody or a, a heated discussion or somebody said something to you, um, you create all this internal suffering and maybe even anger towards somebody else because I decided that they did this because of this thing. Mm -hmm. And now I've got this, sorry, aging myself, VCR running over and over again in my head, replaying the same argument, the same story. Until every, every, I'm sorry. I, every time you say you're aging yourself with a VCR, I expect you to say like the Victrola or something else. The VCR feels very modern, but it's not. So like where you're kind of, you know, I'm telling after the because that right here, the VCR, like, get out the crank, you know, make the thing go out. Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 that's okay. Um, <laughs> because it just goes on auto replay, right? Over and over and over again. Oh my gosh. But the thing with the VCR is you have to actually rewind it and press play. So it's not what it is now when we have these embedded things that will just keep playing over and over on reels and things on Facebook. With the VCR, you had to deliberately stop it, rewind it, you know, or pay a fine <laughs> for not <laughs> rewinding, um, and press play. So our, our involvement in the replaying of our own stories um, was not accidental or unconscious. Yes. Although it may have been not intended, it may have been part of, you know, we talked about habits and patterns and not always being able to recognize them when we're within them. So while we're pressing stop, rewind and play, that may just be part of a pattern that we've created that is not deliberate. It's just part of, you know, what has been created by the story of retelling it. Yeah, you know, it feels to me like because takes you out of the present because brings me into my head to tell a story about an event that had happened just very recently or in the past. Rather than being present and when that thought comes up, coming into my senses, noticing my emotions, sitting with my personal feelings versus the story, how does this feel in my body? What am I learning? What emotion is coming up? How's it affecting my breath? And being present with a memory or a recent event without having to put words to it. We talked about this when we talked about um, Joseph Campbell and saying that we live an embodied life. We feel life. And then because we need to share it or organize it, we add words to be able to explain that story. But I've been working lately on seeing how much I can stay away from words and rest in feelings. And I think they're a lot more honest and maybe a lot more straightforward 
than the words that I will assign to a specific event. Um, so that also is a story that words are less than feeling or that because takes you out of the present. Because to me is, is a rationalization or a way to make sense of something. So I can be present with that and still be wrong about it. I can sit with that and feel all the feelings that comes up because for me it feels like after the because is dealing with our shadows. So they can be golden shadows or they can be darker shadows or anywhere in there, but it's coming through the lens of our own experience. Now, because I'm a writer, I love words. I try to find the best words to describe the feelings that I'm having. And if you've ever read a great book and it brought you to tears or it made you laugh or it brought up feeling that you had forgotten that you had or a memory or whatever that is, that is the power of words. And it doesn't make the feeling less or, um, but I think that we have to be more responsible with the words that we choose and maybe sitting with the sensation and the feeling first to be able to really embody that experience so that when the words come, they flow with more authenticity. They flow from the well of the experience rather than the other way around. I had a client this week and we were talking about words and the power of words and she said something I found so interesting and it was spell or spelling that words, the root word of a spelling and putting letters together is the word spell and that she was reminded me that when we verbalize something we are in essence casting a spell of those words and you know in the stories that I tell myself if I'm going to cast a spell and maybe others feel the same way I have had a practice of noticing how many times my spell that I'm casting in my inner dialogue is one that's uplifting and um, or one that is bringing me down. And not that I can't have the spell of honesty and the spell of authenticity in the words that I'm going to use that, you know, being uplifted is somehow better than, you know, feeling sad about something because I see them as equal and um, having lots of areas of gray between the two. But to recognize, to pause, and know if those words are the words that I want to use. To take that moments of pause to know if the spell or the words that I'm communicating with myself or to others are the ones that I actually want to use, that I take that pause instead of reacting and just letting them puke out all over, which I can be guilty of. Are you a good witch or a bad witch? <laughs> Yes. And when, yes. when you say the that, it's... Yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> yes, the answer is. And then, you know, when you say that, and this might go off topic, so I won't stay here all that long. <laughs> but the good, you know, when you go back to um, Dorothy and the two witches, isn't the um, story of Belinda, is, it that, is that her name? Galinda. Galinda. Um, that there's another whole story that she was actually the bad witch because she got the Wicked Witch of the East to do all of her. Well, her... That, that was someone who wrote Wicked. Um, yes. The musical Wicked um, was sort of inspired by, but you know what? There could be, and this is not off topic because it's the hero's journey. You know, Wizard of Oz is the hero's journey, and now we're moving into After the Because. Um, 
but oh, I just lost my thought. Uh, but oh, so many stories can be inspired by other stories. So mm. someone could just as easily come along and write a story about how the Wicked Witch of the West was, you know, um, you know her, the twin sister of Galinda or you know, the East who got, you know, the house dropped on her. Maybe there was something going on between East and West and had nothing to do with Galinda. Maybe the, the bad witch, the Wicked Witch of the West killed the Wicked Witch of the East and blamed <laughs> Dorothy. Like there could be so many stories that come from this one creation, this one myth that someone offered us, this hero's journey, and depending on the artist, the creator's hero's journey, it could take us in different ways, different paths. Yeah. You know? Wow. So the answer is yes, yes. Yeah. The answer is yes. So we have to be careful what spells we're casting. <laughs> yeah. I have definitely been guilty of using words as weapons. And in the in the model of the spells, they were they were not good spells. Yeah. They were spells that were creative and intelligent, but designed to harm. And so that is something I have to look at too. You know, what are what do we hold in our arsenals in these utility these bat utility belts that we all wear? You know, that give us the tools to be able to recognize the embodied part, recognize when we are the asshole, recognize when we're the, the hero, you know, that we are everything. And so, you know, that's why, you know, we've talked about toxic positivity and, you know, everything is good. Why can't everything just be good? Well, because everything is not good. You know, in the world of reality, of course, you know, there's illusion and we create our realities, but to deny one significant aspect of reality to serve another, I just think is, is bullshit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah we that. must we must have talked about being an asshole a couple of times already in this podcast. And um, so my son said to me, you know, if I meet an asshole in a day, he's an asshole. If I meet 10 assholes in a day, I'm an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a pretty yeah. good um, view of some of the after the becauses that yes. really, you know, we talk about those reflections, those dark sides, the shadows, what we're looking at. And life has a way of kind of reflecting that mirror back in how are we communicating? How are we using our words, both internally and externally? What are our after the becauses? And do they serve to harm and cast awful spells? Or do they serve to uplift and cast still a spell, but maybe one that is a bit more intentional and not which is not to say that there aren't things that need to be addressed but they can be addressed with kindness even if we're in disagreement and i think there's a, a range within there too that's they're not always going to be good or bad in the mythological you know sort of where we have to have the hero and the villain sometimes you know we are all just human there's just an infinite number of combinations of how we tell our stories of how we hear our stories and those things can change even you know moment to moment given other external circumstances so if and we talked about this in the koshas if i wake up and have um you know a, an argument with my spouse for example that may affect the way i think about things it's going to affect my energy levels and it may actually give me a pain or discomfort my body you know that there are all these ways that the stories interact but if I woke up that same morning and you know was greeted with a hot cup of coffee and you know I just take an extra five minutes honey and you know whatever then 
I'm going to react to things that my day provides differently. It's going to be a different reaction. Um, so our koshas help to inform the way we tell the stories, how we experience our own stories. So sometimes it can be an obvious, I'm casting a spell on you because I think you're being a dick and I need you to like, you know, just not get hurt, but run off the road, <laughs> you know, or you're being so good. I want to get you ice cream and everything is great over here. <laughs> or sometimes it's more complicated and it's, I can't find the right words because the feelings are so muddled. I don't know what I'm feeling. I can't find the words. You know, I was thinking about, um, also finishing sentences, uh, but this idea of telling stories through words, when stories, uh, we've always told stories from hieroglyphics all the way up through the emojis that we're using now. So when we send a text or an email and or something on social media that is filled with emojis, likening back to those hieroglyphics, the person who's looking at it is, every person who sees that same story with those same emojis is gonna be told a different story because they're gonna look at those emojis and translate them based on where they are in that moment or what they think those emojis mean. And so telling a story through emojis, I think is pretty fucking brilliant because it allows the person who's looking back at it to, to see it with fresh eyes in a way. Um, but then the emojis become like words and we assign meaning to them. And then that becomes the thing that we were judging before. And we're back in the fucking circle. I also think that we gather our own stories and perspectives. I will often take my cues from nature or from being outside. And over the years, I've really begin, begun to deepen this practice of what do I notice? And why did I notice that thing? And, you know, you can commute down 95 and see <laughs> billboard after billboard after billboard. We don't read them except when we do. And I always wonder when I notice one, why did I notice that specific thing? Or when I'm out in nature, I mean, it is just abundantly filled with things that can call for presence to notice what you notice and decide, okay, does this have any meaning? Why am I noticing um, that the azaleas haven't opened yet, but their blooms are getting ready to burst and they look beautiful. So I'll stop and pause and notice. It is really interesting to me after going out in nature, going for a walk, going for a drive, whatever it is that I do, when I come home to reflect, what did I notice and why? If I put all the things that I noticed that day into a little reel of my own, so we know that word reels because they happen in what, less than a minute is a reel. I don't know what the time frame is for it, but whatever it is, if I can take these things I notice throughout the day and place them in a reel that just goes, what story does that reel tell me about me? What did I notice and why? Because our eyes take in so much data, but it's not limited to our eyes. I've noticed that since I've done this practice, it's not just what I see, it's what do I smell? What we notice kind of really is what our life is enriched with or what our life is informed by, at least for and, me. 
and they're all snapshots in time. Yes. So you might go out in nature. I used to always say, if we took our cues from nature, we would live in a much more harmonious world. It's important that we pay attention, be present, and maybe even look back. Like the practice I'm going to offer today is an opportunity to to look at these stories and to, like you said, find out a little bit more about who we are, know ourselves better, because that's what we're here to do, not necessarily return to, we will all return to earth and energy later at some point, um, but to know what it is to live in these bodies, to navigate this real world with these real bodies, even if it's all a fucking illusion. But coming back to the words that we use, I was listening to Stacy, Stacy Brass Russell. Uh, I'll say that amazing um, coach. Go find um, her right now. <laughs> yes, and with an amazing podcast, po um, passionate and prosperous. Wonderful. Uh, yes, it's great. But she said something, and it sounded so simple in the way that she said it. She started talking about the words "can't." I can't do this. I can't do that. And I started reflecting how often do I say I can't do this or I don't know how to do that. You know, Sherry and, <laughs> Sherry and I had a lot of things we had to learn how to do just to start this podcast. And if we had had embodied the words we can't over and over again, we probably wouldn't be sitting here and talking, which doesn't mean that I eliminated those words. I still could hear myself saying, I don't know how to do that. I can't do that. I don't know what I want. But she offered a simple respelling, respell of how I could phrase that with, I wonder how I can design a website. I wonder how, rather than I can't, I wonder how this is all going to work out. Mm -hmm. I wonder how I am going to come in contact with the people that it can help me achieve this next thing. And it, I went back to, way, way, way back in my memory banks of um, reading something about successful people. I don't remember. It was, you know, way back in the 80s, probably when I was reading all those nice self-help books. And now you're dating yourself. That's now, yeah, the now... <laughs> <laughs> you know, That is a dating of myself, isn't it? <laughs> and if I started reading self-help books way back in the 80s, I should be right on track by now. <laughs> That's all before the because. That was all before the because. <laughs> but um, one of the lines that always stuck with me is that people who are successful don't say, I can't do that, or this is going to be a terrible time, or this is going to be so challenging. They used basically the same words. And even though I started reading the self-help books, what is that, 40-something years ago? <laughs> um, the answer was, I wonder where that money is going to come from me for me to advance this project to the next level. Wow, it's going to be so interesting to find out how all of these pieces fit together. And time maybe a tiny or huge mindset change, mm -hmm. right? So this is interesting because I had written in my notes um, in my little research for today, um, I can't do X because I am X, Y, Z. You know, I can't clean my room because I'm a messy person. I can't get my work done on time because I'm a procrastinator. I can't walk the dog because I am not someone who goes out every day and takes walk. Whatever it is that mm -hmm. we, we say ourselves 
all of those things after the because of why I can't do something, those are the stories to examine so that we can get to the I wonders. You know, because it's those patterns that we can't see, that the language that we use become habit, becomes habitual. And all of that creates um, an energy of after the because. But it's an opportunity to make it tangible enough to work with. And I say tangible enough because some of these things are thought-driven or imagination-driven or history-memory-driven. So there's not going to be an actual thing to, you know, take apart and put back together. But it's tangible enough once we can identify it to then begin to be able to work with our story so that we can more clearly see other stories. Yeah. Wow. Cleaning the lens, cleaning the lens, cleaning the lens, I, yes. the lens cleanser. Like I was sitting in my morning meditation this morning and feeling, is that redundant morning meditation this morning? It's like saying 5am in the morning. No, 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 no. 5am or five in the morning. Okay. Yes. Now you've had my little gritty lesson for the day, but I was in my meditation this morning and was very clear that it was a lens cleanser. And that sometimes I approach my practice. Like today I had a ton of thoughts coming in. It was a constant exercise in telling myself I'm thinking and returning to the breath, telling myself I'm thinking and returning to the breath. Now I've been practicing for 23 years with some, regu with some regularity and with absolute regularity the last several years. And it always amazes me that when I am really, I can be very still in my body, my physical body does not move. There's a sense of pure calm and ease. There's no you know, discomfort in the physical body but my mind is racing like a fucking racehorse. It is going from one you know, lick to the next, just going, going, going. But because I have been a practitioner for so long, I am, it doesn't mean that I immediately recognize that I've left my breath, but when I do, I have skillful means enough to be able to draw it back to my breath. So I know I've said this before that I don't believe that um, meditation is about emptying your head. I think that's that's, I don't know Impossible. what to that. Yeah. I, and for those who are successful in it, I'd love to hear why you did that and what, yeah. what the positive outcome was from that. But the curiosity about the thoughts and the ability to, when I'm in a state of constant discursive thought, I can recognize that. I can see that that's what's happening and I can choose to come back to my breath. That is the tool so that when I start spiraling out, I know you love spirals, Teresa, mm -hmm. when I start spiraling out in a story that I've been telling myself that is having an adverse effect on my real life, then I have the tools, the skillful means to say thinking and come back to my breath. So let's talk about some of, you want to talk about some of our own personal after the becauses? Um, go. A personal after the because is... The story that I was telling myself that I've recognized recently. So I like using older um, stories, which I've already done earlier, but this is more recent. I am moving uh, again. So I can say I am moving again. And I know that that began in a way where I was like, ugh. I got to pack, I have to do this, I have to figure out where I'm going. There was a lot of <clears throat> about having to move. Um, a lot of stories around how difficult it was going to be to look for another place, um, how difficult it was going to be to in put my practice of non-attachment into place. 
and to recognize some of the things I've talked about in the past. This too shall pass, my mom's mantra, this too shall pass. But this beautiful transition came where I started to say, wow, I get to go and visit out west some people that I want to see. I am going to get to have a really long visit with a family that I don't get to see all that often and to do a little bit uh, a little bit of exploring in a new place. I also an opportunity came um, across my way that I will get to live at the beach for a little bit and I love the beach. So because of this opportunity, I will get to spend some time this summer living at the beach and the view out the window is of the bay and you know I probably talked about this before I love water also I have wanted to do a SEVA program which is volunteering time for lodging at the Himalayan Institute and now I get to put that into my schedule which I've been waiting to do for years and it's not necessarily written in stone yet because there's something else I'm thinking about that I wanted to do for years that I might get to do that as well. So the changing of one word, I have to, to I get to, changed my entire because. My entire because and allowed me to take something that maybe felt a little ungrounding and made it a beautiful fun and adventure that I get to have that is leading me somewhere you know I change the words in my head from I have to to I get to my mantra changed to where is it what is it that I have to share what's my passion what is my gift to share and why can't I complete it or why is the next step not here why is the next step of this journey someplace else? And that led into, I wonder what's going to happen, what's gonna, mm. what I'm going to learn in these next steps, because whatever I need to learn to take me to this next part of this adventure mm -hmm. can't happen if I'm in this place. Or maybe it could have, but maybe there's just another way. So I changed it. So, what? and then part of that after the because from someone else might be, Teresa's moving because and 10 people are going to fill in why you're leaving that have nothing to do with why you're actually leaving. Exactly. You yeah. know, and that we have no control over. We have mm -hmm. no control over that. Um, and so it, it's an interesting thing to watch how we fill in those after the becauses. The story that I was going to tell, um, it goes way back and it's going to be repetitive. I mean, I know I've, I've said some of these things, but by the time I was like, since I was maybe three years old, my mom had taken me to see a play. And since then, I only ever wanted to be an actor. I just wanted to act. So I, you know, did the camps and I did acting stuff and everyone started seeing me as, um, as an actor. And so that became part of my personality. It became part of how people saw me. And um, that became part of the stories that people would tell about. Oh, Sherry, she's an actor. She does this, or this actress, or whatever. Oh, Sherry, of course she'll be in the school plays. And Sherry's doing this, and going to NYU for acting, and did Carnegie Mellon pre-college thing, and summer stock theater at the Hampton. Like, there's, my life was crafted around becoming an actor. And that is really what my heart was driving me to do. And then one day, I didn't realize it wasn't like a thought where I realized, oh, I'm not, I'm thinking, let's come back to the breath. It was much slower and more, 
the word is not insidious, but I love that word insidious. Like it was just, it was much more drawn out than that before I realized that I no longer wanted to be an actor. So no longer wanting to be an actor was like a thought in an epic meditation that all of a sudden my identity, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know that that's what it was because I had this very strong, and this goes back to archetypes and patterns, and it goes back to embodiment, and it goes back to every kosha that we have, that I was an embodied actor. This is who I was. There was no change in that until there was. Hmm. So I had years where I was just living in confusion. I didn't know what that thing was that didn't feel in alignment anymore until I did. And then I was like, oh, okay, identity crisis, not so much a crisis, identity confusion. So I did a lot of jobs. I did every, I even started writing a book called Working Class Princess. That was a reduction of every job I ever held. I temped. So I, and I did executive level temping and I worked at Wetlands, which was a fucking awesome rock and roll, environmentally active and aware nightclub. Probably the only freaking nightclub in New York that didn't sell Budweiser because of their relationship with the dictatorship of Burma. Like this was, this was a very potent time of, of exploration and discovery. So a lot of my, after the becauses were changing for myself, like I was having to redefine who I was living in New York City. Why am I still there? I don't want to do this anymore. Well, I fucking love the restaurants. I love the people. I love the diversity. I love everything about New York City. So I'm there for a good reason. I left for a good reason too. But so I'm going through working, working. I worked for the president of broadcast at ABC a couple of different times. And he was even like, what are you doing here? And I said, I'm trying to figure that out. And we had a really nice rapport. And, you know, there's a lot of other stories that go with that. So, you know, fast forward, left New York for good reason, started to have a family, was never going to live in that Friends or Seinfeld kind of New York life. You know, the apartments were never going to be that nice. So we moved out of the city and I had a time where I was really just, I was becoming a mother. I had three kids, fairly one after the other. They're about two years-ish apart. And, um, and then I was tasked with, you know, what do I do? How do I find meaning? What is... So I went back to the things that had meaning after the actor because, and that was yoga. It was yoga and meditation that I had started practicing in the late 90s. So I looked at that and found a place in, in Bucks County here. There was nothing really until the Prancing Peacock opened. Prancing Peacock opened. I found a yoga home. And then Liz, the amazing, beautiful proprietor of the Prancing Peacock, says to me one day, hey, do you ever think of taking the teacher training program? You're here every freaking day. Like, <laughs> she didn't say that. But... Um, I actually, and I very rarely use this word because I feel like it is so overused and misused. Your head did not literally explode or else there would be brain matter on the wall. But I literally did turn my head to see that she had to be talking to someone behind me. There was no way she was talking to me. I mean, I was never going to be a yoga teacher. I was never, I was just deep in the practice. Like, let's just see where the practice will take me. Well, the practice took me to the mat in front of the room and I became a yoga teacher. And but the thing was that the after the because for being an actor never went away. It never disappeared. You know, they we talked about energy. It can't be created or destroyed, right? It can only be redirected and reformed. And so all of that that I loved that felt in alignment for me as becoming an actor became what nourished me as a teacher. It became what made me a really fucking good teacher. I was able to capture a room. I was able to engage you know, from three people to 80 people, 
you know, they weren't in the Prancing Peacock room, they were at the vineyard. But wherever I was, I was able to use the skills that I had learned as an actor, as a performer, to be the best teacher I could be. Well, you know, that served me. After I found this, after the because, the story that nourished me to become this teacher, there came a time where that no longer felt in alignment, that that no longer served my after the because. It was no longer my story. I stopped growing as both a teacher and a student. That which nourished me, which was the growth piece, growing through becoming an actor, taught me so much. The people I met on the path were crucial to who the person I was becoming. Becoming a yoga teacher was crucial to the person I was becoming. Doing this podcast, which is after the teacher because, is the perfect thing right now to taking all i had heard someone say i'm still working on finishing a sentence but i had heard someone say that nothing in your life is wasted Mm-mm. nothing there is nothing wasted so even if you change jobs 10 times and they may not look like anything that is related to the one before what you have learned what you have gathered on your path to this point are is are there your treasures for where you're going whether they're golden or they're you know coal you know whatever they are your dark and golden shadows they are the things that you collect along the way. And so this podcast is my after the because story in this moment, in this Polaroid snapshot of where I am. And if I were to take all of the Polaroid snapshots and put them in a big album or on a big mural and be able to watch the progression, what Rochelle said in her, um, in her thing where she has a very diverse path to get to where she is and her mother said, you know, it may not look like it makes sense in the middle of it, but when you get to, when you can look back, you can see the threads that connect. And so thread, sutra, the yoga sutras, they're threads. Sutra is a thread that, that, that closes big wounds, right? You're on the operating table, you're using a sutra, a suture to thread that together. The yoga sutras were the threads of these pithy little statements that you know give us the teachings of yoga. So I like to look at things through threads. There's a beautiful artist out here in Bucks County. Her name is Colleen Atara. She's the one who wrote, who created that magic that lives in your, in your motorhome. So she creates these little um, sacred books. She creates these little journals that are, she uses an old-fashioned sewing machine. She uses hand threading, but she uses a lot of thread in her artwork, which always resonated with me because of this idea of threading the things together, threading, you know, whether it was the yoga sutras or the sutras, like I'm just trying to find those things that use the spell, the words that create the images that tell our stories. And so these threads of experience that have um, bound themselves to each other, have, you know, threaded themselves through, have created a patchwork quilt that is not cookie cutter. Everyone's is going to be different. Everyone's is going to look different. And it may, for those who are very linear, their quilts may look perfectly aligned and, you know, everything is in order. For people who are less type A like me, they're going to be all over the place. And everything in the middle, everything from the extremes and that, that from the middle, it's all so beautiful. And it all, it will all give us cover when we need it. You know, the threads of linking different parts of our life together. Uh, You had talked about, you know, Rochelle saying that, you know, she had this kind of interesting 
um, progression of how she came into what she's doing now. You've shared your different stories of the different places that you've tempted and the people that you worked with, your journey through a variety of different jobs up into your transition from actor to then all of a sudden saying, I think I'm on the wrong, you know, this isn't my path anymore. Not wrong, but this isn't my path anymore. I'm going to make that transition. And I have some of the same. When I left dentistry and went to massage school, that was a huge transition for me. I had been in the dental profession for 25 years. Wow. And so that's the vision, isn't it? Um, at least <laughs> for my generation, I know over the years it's changed with what um, work life looks like in many, many different ways. But it was you get a job, you stay with it for a long period of time, then you retire and you go do fun things. Um, that was a story that was pretty prevalent. So leaving um, a job that I had been in for 25 years to become self-employed <laughs> entrepreneur was a huge step to move from one place to the other. And I went to massage school for a whole variety of reasons. One was the business, the service business, when you're in a, serv or a service provider, the business structure is the same. So I could take that structure and move it to a new service. And while I was in massage school, I went through a huge, huge self-transition of the story that I told myself of who I was. There's just something magical and extremely transformational about that whole entire process of coming into a massage school and being touched two or three times a week. Not only did I receive massage and touch but I offered massage and touch. And it became um, synonymous. Touching was touching, whether you were the giver or the receiver. And that began to change my life. Then the idea that the laying of the hands, which sounds very biblical, which is not my intention, but the laying of the hands and you know how powerful that is just for touch. And I'm not talking about technique just being able to have that interaction. A few years later, after I had graduated, I was invited back by my teacher, Jeff Mann, to be a teacher. And this is where the because is. I said, I'm not a teacher. I'm a massage therapist. I'm somebody who worked in dentistry. That is not my archetype. And his after the because was, I've been watching you for a long time and you're really good at this and I think that it would be an asset if you came and would at least try, just come and try to teach here at the school. And again, it transformed my life. Mm -hmm. This was the next transition and evolution in um, my story, my my journey throughout this entire life because I was able to observe students coming into the school on their very first night and the day that they graduated and to see these experiences that they would have and share about how touch and being in massage school was transforming for them. I won't tell specifics of their transformation because those are their stories, but their words were, this was the most transformational thing that I have done in my life so far. 
So basically, you were saying you can't be a teacher because you're not a teacher. And Jeff was saying, I, I see you as a teacher. That's yes. the after the because. Yes. I can't do it because I'm not this person. And he's saying you can because you are. You are this you know, person. That's, and that is so this reflection that I've always, and we talked about this recently, about this idea of sole proprietorship versus collaboration. And that collaboration, at, at least this is how I see it, is so much more part of the journey. Sole proprietorship is great. You can learn and do your thing. They say if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with others. And this feeling of collaboration, because even just the two of us collaborating on this, you have been my mirror for so many things that I would never have gotten to see without you. You know, without you, I could still be living in certain things that I wanted to be working on, but didn't even know that I wanted to be working on them until we were working together, because you reflected back you know, this is fine. And, you know, take a look over here. You got to take a look over here to see you're not looking. There's a blind spot that the people that we magnetize, they get to show us our blind spots. And if we're solid enough in ourselves or confident enough as a human being to be able to say, I'm, I can look at this. Let me look at it. Because many of us are not ready or we don't see them because we choose not to. But when the reflection is so clear and so there and you are also ready to see, that is alchemy. That is an alchemy that happens that can, I think, only happen in collaboration. Yeah, the people that we attract to ourselves. I mean, we spend, a, you and I spend a lot of time together planning and then being here. So, and we bounce a lot of information back and forth between the two of us. We... Um, collaborate on ideas. We find focuses out of chaos, <laughs> which sometimes in the planning stages, it starts a little chaotic. Where are we going? What are we doing? And I find the same thing that uh, I will find clarity in uh, seeing and hearing your words as I offer different ideas and thoughts. As I stumble, I'm looking and saying, ah, Look at that, I can see. So I have learned so much through the reflection. And honestly, right now we are talking on Zoom. So it is definitely a reflection right here, right? Yeah. That we get to see each other. And, you know, I think that this is a good time maybe for us to kind of wind up when we're talking about the mirror, we're talking about what reflects back. And we've discussed words a lot. We discussed conversation through imagery. But I think one of the things that I think is important in the after the because and how we formulate some of those stories are expressions. So when we're talking and having a conversation with others, and we get to see an expression. And sometimes the expression is mm, a yawn. Let's say the expression is a yawn. And you're like, oh, I must be really boring because that person is yawning. It doesn't go to, wow, did you get enough sleep last night? Are you okay? Right? Which is the other reason why that yawn is not there or yawns. They're a reason they are an indication that we need a little bit more oxygen. So maybe it's just oh, a really big breath. But facial expressions also inform our after the because. And I think it's natural for me when we're in conversation. If I see an expression go, huh, am I off point? Am I on point? So even those reflections 
are things that we can look at and recognize that an after the because happens right there mm -hmm. unless we ask the question. So I guess I want to start winding up with asking the question, why did you say that? Or why did you say that that way? Or how do you feel about what I'm talking about? Are really important questions to reframe the after the because and allow each individual to fill in their own becauses. That is so perfect, the perfect segue. If you're done, I, this is yeah, perfect. Yeah. Um, because what I was gonna offer was uh, set your, if you have a timer on your phone, set it for three or five minutes. And even if you're not a meditator, you're not someone who shows up on the cushion every day, find a spot where you can find stillness and silence, relative stillness and relative silence for three to five minutes just so you can sit and notice the thoughts. So this isn't a meditation where, you know, we're letting the thoughts just go. This is a meditation where you're gonna deliberately intend, give yourself a prompt, you know, what are some of the stories I tell myself? What are the things, but uh, particular stories that are getting in your way? A story that is keeping you from achieving something that you would like to achieve. Um, I'll never be able to write a bestseller, so I'm, why even bother? you know, I'll never be enough to, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever your story is. So in that silence, see what arises, have a pad and pen next to you or pencil, however you like to, not on the computer, do it something that's handwritten. And after your alarm goes off, shut it off. And without disturbing the energy that was cultivated, pick up your paper and your writing implement and rewrite that story, rewrite it, don't even write the old story first unless you feel the need to. If you want to write the old one first just so that you see it, you can even burn it later, rip it up, whatever, but rewrite it in a way that will serve you to move forward. So if you say, um, I'm, I'm never going to write a bestseller, so I try, say, you know what, I'm going to set, I'm going to put in my calendar 10 minutes every day where I just sit and free write without, without even the intention of writing a great novel, just to write, just for the pure pleasure of writing and see what happens. So maybe after 10 minutes a day, all of a sudden, or five minutes a day, there's no hard, fast rules here. Sit down, whatever is going to set you up to succeed. And then, you know, maybe a week or two later, go back and look. I personally feel like there's nothing more boring than going back and reading old journal entries. Um, ugh. But sometimes it, when you do it on purpose and you say, I have an intention, this is what I'm writing, there is, there's information, there's data there that can be mined uh, for, for goodness. Mm. What happens? Yeah. I'm going to do that practice. It sounds great. I just have to remember which of my many notebooks I write it in. So you know I love journals, especially if they feel good. So I've got a lot of journals if they're tactile. Title them. Write Title on the cover. Write on the cover. They said, you know, whatever. Okay, so we are definitely at the end of our time here. All right, well, let me just give uh, one little um, practice here. Oh, okay. I thought, you'd, I thought that was the practice. Sorry. <laughs> so um, we'll build on what... Uh, Sherry just offered as a practice. I just want to add one tiny little part to that, and that is notice your response to your own stories. That's what I was thinking of. What was the response to my stories? As I find myself rerunning whatever that story is, I've learned to take a pause and notice what breath pattern am I in. <clears throat> To come back to noticing if this is a calm and easing, easeful story or 
What is your response? Do you start to breathe? Is there anxiousness around it? So when you're telling your stories after your becauses, just simply pause and notice. How do I feel in this moment in relation to this thought, this story that I'm in? So, you know, I didn't know that Cherry was going to offer a journaling the story or rewriting of the story. So maybe in addition to as you come out and you're picking up that pencil, notice what your breath is. Notice how you feel. Then rewrite that story and see if there is any change, any alteration. Just tap into our own senses, our own, your own awareness, and simply have a practice of noticing. I want to add something to that, too, because this came <laughs> up thinking about it. This is so funny. Like, I'm going to do that, too. But notice, too, how, how the feeling has changed. Because I know certain things, like the telling of certain people I worked for, used to be very emotional when I would tell them. Now I tell them like I, I'm just rereading the story. You know, I'm not reliving the story. Notice if you're reliving something and it's still so on the surface that it brings up emotion, but then also notice if there's no heat at all involved. Like, oh my God, I used to tell this story and I would cry every time. Or I used to tell this story and it would make me laugh. Or I used to tell this story and I would get a pit in my stomach every time. But now I'm telling the story like it's someone else's story. You know, I mean, there's that too. Like, when did that change? When did you move from it being a, a current story to being a past memory? Yeah, see, our practice, it has depth to it. <laughs> yes, yes. It does. So, um after your because, it's life-changing. Thanks for listening. As always, we want to hear from you. We, we treasure you. Know that we couldn't be here without you. You are our reason. So please be in touch with us. Thank you so much for tuning in. Your energy continues to nourish us, and these conversations continue to connect us. A couple of quick announcements before introducing next week's episode. On April 22nd, 2022 at 7 p.m., we will be hosting our first ever live event, Anecdotal Anatomy in Action. To catch this, you must be near Bucks County, PA. We will be meeting on the porch of our local bookstore, The Commonplace Reader, in Yardley. Expect food and drink, conversation and movement, games and prizes. Hope to see you there. Also, our website is live. Check it out at www.anecdotalanatomy.com and wander around. Everything is there, including a shop where you can get some Anecdotal Anatomy merch. When you email us your stories, also let us know what sort of items you'd like to see in the online store. And tune in next week as we continue talking about After the Because as it relates to embodiment. Our guest, Christy McCracken, has a rare disease that prohibits her body from metabolizing protein. She is an advocate and public speaker who is starting her own podcast called Chronically Christy. We will talk about the story she tells and the ones told to her and how they have contributed to her story of embodiment as an individual, as well as the collective embodiment of those living with daily challenges. This is sure to be an eye-opening conversation. We'd like to thank our editor, Judith George, Keith Kenny for our music, and Cindy Fatsis for our photos. Until next time, 
I'm Sherry Sadoff-Hank. I'm Teresa Tobin-Macy.